Welcome to Calvary HSM Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. What's up, guys? How's everyone doing tonight? Um, if you don't know me, if we've never met, my name is Drew Walton. I'm the high school pastor here at HSM. I love you guys to pieces. Um, and it is 2024. How did that happen? Uh, has anybody had to write down the year yet and gotten it wrong? I did it the other day. It was like 23. Sometimes my brain will glitch. I'll be like 2016. I'm like, what's happening? I'm way off. Um, Okay, I want to hear, if you could wake up tomorrow and be instantly good at a new sport, what would you choose? What's the room vibing? Shout it out. MMA. That's actually really cool. MMA, CrossFit, I like it. Soccer. I like it. Swimming. Swimming's a good one. What else? What would you guys be into? What did you say? Basketball, amazing. Gymnastics, gymnastics is a good one because you can just bust out a backflip whenever, right? Can anybody in the room do a backflip? I'm not gonna make you do it, I'm just curious. You do backflip, really? No, I don't want you to backflip. I trust you, but on the off chance that it goes south, I don't want to de- derail this service. But that's an amazing skill and it kind of freaks me out a little bit too. Any other sports, what else would you want to do? Karate, I like it. I like it. Muay Thai. A lot of combat sports in the room. Are you guys in danger? Do you need to talk to somebody? Everybody's like, MMA, karate, self-defense. Dang, that's crazy. Um, I would go with everything that all of you chose. That's good. Um, how was the weekend? you guys have a good weekend? Anybody do anything fun? Yeah, maybe. Okay, here's what I want to know. Was it like a, what kind of weekend did you guys have? I'll do the raise the hands or raise the hands. Um, did you have like a busy, like go, 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 scheduled things, you're out and about doing stuff, or did you have like a mellow, nothing on the calendar, stay home weekend? So if you had like a busy, loaded up schedule this weekend, you've been on the move, raise your hand now. Okay, okay. Nice. Was it good? Thumbs up? Like, are you like, were you energized by the activities of the weekend? We got like a somewhat, right? Like sometimes you could do a lot and it fills your tank up. And then sometimes you do a lot and you're like, I need a weekend from my weekend, right? What about like, did you have a really mellow, stay at home, cozy weekend? It's a little chilly out. Maybe you had like a blanket on and put on some music or something. Okay, nice. I like it. I had the, the latter. I had like a really mellow weekend by choice. It was awesome. I just like stayed at home and like had tea. Usually I'm a coffee drinker. As If you couldn't tell by my personality, I'm like, what's up, caffeine? But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes tea, you know, like a cozy cup of tea, maybe with some lemon and honey in it. Come on. Um, it was great. But I think part of that was a preemptive strike because today's been like a crazy schedule, admittedly, um, on our behalf. Sunday is the best day of the week, in my opinion. I love that we get to do HSM here. Um, for the people on our high school staff team, um, and some of our leaders, in fact, we have an amazing high school staff. Just give it up for the rest of the HSM team real quick. Love them. Love them. But um, usually we roll in here on Sundays at like 8.30 a.m. Uh, we set up for the morning, the band rehearses, we get the room ready to rumble, we do our 11 a.m. service. If you're like, what if I had HSM but earlier? You have an option, it's at 11 a.m. Uh, we ran our 11 a.m. service and then coming right out of the 11 a.m. service, we had two mission trip meetings. Anybody going on a mission trip this year? Yes. Um, so our Uganda team and our Mexico team both had team meetings during kind of the break between service. Any Uganda team members in the room? Yes. What about Mexico? Any Mexico team members in the room? 
Amazing. And then we didn't have a meeting for this last trip today, but it's coming up because it's a later trip. Any DR team members in the room? It's a lot of you. It's a big team. Uh, but so we had church all morning, and then we had our mission trip team meetings, had time to lay down for literally like 19 minutes, and then back into it. We're setting up for our inner service. We're here, wouldn't be anywhere else in the world. And then immediately after tonight, as you heard, we have winter camp next weekend. So all of our counselors are meeting afterwards to get ready for camp. Just like full schedule day. And here's the reality is I would not be able to keep my life in order if it were not for this device. Anybody else relate to that? Anybody need to like, if you don't write it down, it never happened? That's me. I, with the best of intentions, will be like, that's a great idea, and I'm in, let's do that thing. And if it doesn't make it from here to here, it's as if the conversation never happened, and I will not accomplish that thing, right? Like, I, I have to write things down, whether it's the calendar or the, anybody like in the notes app doing the to-do list? Set up. I'm a big to-do list guy. I love, here's my move. I do to-do list at the top. And then I do the one where it's like the bubbles and you write the thing next to it because when you hit the bubble, what happens? It checks and it drops down to the bottom of the list. Like you accomplished it. And that's addictive to me. That's like how people have like gambling addictions because of like the noises in casinos. Like that's what that notes app does for me when I like the thrill of completing a task. It's like zing. I'm like, yes, I did it. But, but here's what, what I found. found. For me, like, like my to-do list is all about like my priority list, right? Like it's me designating what's important for me to remember, what's important for me to accomplish, to go in the direction that I want to go, right? But here's what I found I would do, is I would throw things on the to-do list, and then I would like be working on my list, and then like late afternoon, right, when you get that little kind of like, I need another cup of coffee vibe, I'd like reassess the to-do list, and I'd pick certain things, and I'd be like, I'll do that tomorrow. I don't need to do that today. I'll just, I'll leave it on the list. We'll get it tomorrow. And then what happens? Tomorrow rolls around and that kind of like afternoon thing. I'm like making moves, getting things off the list and that same thing. I'm just like, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll just like, I'll leave it on the list. I'll do it tomorrow. And then ultimately what happens is like probably like a few weeks later of something just sitting on my list. Sometimes I would do the thing and cross it off, but oftentimes I'd be like, it's not that important, and I would delete it from the list. Never accomplished. Any, people, aren't, people aren't like vocally like agreeing, but I've seen some like quiet nods of like, yeah, guilty. So here's my little life hack that I would do. Again, like I have to prioritize. I got to put it on the list. If it's not written down, it never happens. So I have two lists now. Yeah, it's true. Now we're playing four-dimensional chess. I have my to-do list, but more recently I've started doing my today I will list. And that's my, like, my more cutthroat, like, I, if it goes on this list, I will do it. I will not go to bed without this task accomplished, right? So I got to be really discerning about what's going on in my big picture to-do list or what's on my today I will list. And for me, it's all a prioritization thing, right? It's like I only have a finite amount of space in my day, a finite amount of energy, a finite amount of time, right? And so I have to prioritize what are important things for me to do. And the reality is you do the same thing in your life, right? Like we have limited resources, we have limited time, we have limited energy, and so we have to make prioritizations in our life. Whether you're a calendar person or a to-do list person or you're just like, gifted by God to like say it once and it's in your brain and you never forget it, right? Like, but you have to make value choices about what you're gonna do with your time. Yes, true. 
And, and there's all sorts of ways that we have to prioritize, right? Like we have to make decisions about what we want to prioritize in our schedule constantly, right? Especially for you guys. Like some of you guys are in that like senior year bliss where you get out of school like 11 a.m. and it's like the day is my oyster, right? Anybody, anybody like that? You're like done with school before noon? Anyone? <laughs> Praise God. If you are, the hands are like down. You're like, I don't want to be called out by people. You're living the good life. But I would say a lot of us have pretty loaded up schedules, right? Like maybe you've got uh, school and then maybe a job and then a sport perhaps or an art of some sort. You've got a social life that you're trying to maintain. You've got a thing you're trying to learn. Maybe you've got college applications that you're trying to figure out. Maybe you're trying to figure out drama in your friend group. Maybe you've got that guy or that girl and you're trying to get it from friends to more than friends, right? Or maybe Maybe you're trying to get out of a situation, whatever it may be. Oftentimes, your lives are loaded up. And for you, every day, you have to make priority decisions about what are, what's your value choice. What are you doing and how do you choose? So for you, maybe, and this isn't a moral thing, but maybe it's you go into your day, you're looking at your schedule, you're like, I have to choose, even if it's a weekend, I have to choose if I'm a stay up late person or a wake up early person, right? And again, that's not a moral thing. Like if you're like, I want to be a stay up late person, that's great. Any, any night owls in the room? Anybody admittedly like, if it's 1 a.m., we're just getting started with the night. I'm awake. Like, that's when I do my best thinking. That's my me time, right? Like, no one's asking for my time after 1 a.m. I can watch my show. I can Snapchat that person. I can get my homework done, right? Like, we got some night owls in the room. What about any early risers, anyone on Dawn Patrol? Like, that's my time when no one's asking for it, right? Like, that's my me time. I get up early. It's quiet. Maybe I have my coffee. Maybe I have a routine that I'm getting after, right? And that's a, that's a priority thing. You just have to choose what's a greater value. But the reality is, is that you cannot be both sustainably for the long term. Right? You might be able to accomplish it for a little bit, especially you guys in your youthful bodies, right? It's like, I stayed up late and I got up early and it was crazy, right? But long term, not sustainable, right? Like if you're going to be a night owl, that comes at the expense of the morning, right? It's like, if I'm staying up until 3 a.m., I'm probably not successfully getting up at 7 a.m. every day. So I've got to then deprioritize that morning time and give it over to sleep, right? Or vice versa. If you're the person you're like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to hit the gym and I'm going to do that. That's probably coming at the expense of staying up late, right? Like you maybe can do it sustain for a little bit, but not sustainably, right? You're going to have to be like, actually, if my value choice is to get up, if my priority is to get up early, that what, that, what does that mean? I'm probably going to bed early. I'm probably saying no to the invitations on the weekend to go out to the thing that starts at 11 p.m., right? Like you're making a value choice, so your schedule. Or maybe for you, it's like you're making a value choice of like I have limited time in my schedule and I've got to choose if I'm going in on a sport or in on an art of some sort, right? Like maybe you're like the classic high school musical conundrum, like I want to be in the play, but I want to be on the team, right? <laughs> And you gotta choose, right? Like sometimes you can have it all, a lot of the time you cannot, right? So you gotta prioritize, which one's more valuable to me? What am I gonna allot this time to? It's my most precious resource, I can't give it to everything, so I choose, right? Or maybe for you it's like I gotta choose between the workout or the rest, right? Like you want both, you need both, but you cannot do both. You have to choose day in and day out. It's like I could muscle through and get the workout in, but then that depletes me even more and I'm more tired. Does that set me up for success? Or I could rest, but then I'm not making the progress towards my goal. Right, like you can't have it all. You just have to choose your priorities. Maybe some of you in the room, I mean, we shouted out mission trips. Maybe some of you in the room had to choose, do I go on a mission trip or a family vacation? 
with my break, right? Or do I go on a mission trip or hang out with my friends in my downtime, right? It's a value choice. You just have to choose. Or maybe some of you probably faced this in your own lives. You choose, do I stay home and study tonight or do my work or do my project or do I go to small group? Right? <laughs> oh, we know. We get it. We were in high school or we're small group leaders and we get the texts. Right? Oh, I can't go to small group. I'm studying. Right? Like, again, not right or wrong. Benefits to both. But it's a value choice. It's a priority choice. Right? And now our priority is not just in our schedules. Right? Like, we get to prioritize what our preferences are, what our desires are in life. Right? Like, if you're going out to food with, a, with friends and it's like, where should we go? That whole thing is an exchange of what are our priorities? What do we want? What do we value higher than the other? So if your one friend wants to go to pizza and one friend wants to go to sushi, obviously you go to sushi. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, both are great options, right? Like someone wants pizza, someone wants sushi, someone wants tacos, and then we have to prioritize. What do we all agree on is the highest value tonight, right? What is our preference? Maybe it's a cookie. What's the best cookie in the world? Shout it out. See, See, whenever I ask that question, most people go for chocolate chip. Any, any chocolate chip dissenters? Anyone who's like, no, it's not chocolate chip. That's too obvious. Okay, what are the, what are the best, like, unexpected cookies? Shut them out. Snickerdoodle. Great cookie. What else? What do we got? Oatmeal raisin. That's a polarizing cookie. As soon as you bring raisins into the conversation, people are like, no! Raisins don't belong in there. Any peanut butter cookie loyalists? I love a peanut butter cookie. Mm-hmm. If you go to BJ's and get the peanut butter cookie pizookie, it'll change your life. Right? But your preferences, that's a priority system thing. That's, that's you assessing which one's better. Same with, like, are you the kind of person who loves staying in? Or are you the kind of person who loves going out? Right? Some people are like, it fills my tank to go out and be with the people. Like the, like poet, the poet, the Little Mermaid, mermaid said, I want to be where the people are, right? right? But, but some, some of you, you you're like, like actually, actually, the greatest gift I could give myself is to say no to all the invitations and stay home quietly, right? And again, that's a value system thing. Maybe you've got some free time and you're like, is it video games tonight or am I binge watching a show? Which one is it? Is it the summer I turned pretty or is it Fortnite? <laughs> And the room has spoken, it's Fortnite. No, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the statement I want to make about the whole thing. I'm going to throw it on the screen. Check this out. Whatever your priorities are will determine two things in your life. Your priorities will determine your decisions and your direction in life. Plain and simple. Whatever you choose to prioritize will have ramifications for the choices you make and the, the actions you take. Right? Your, your priorities, priorities will determine your decisions and your direction in life. And now, like, there's low stakes way that that, ways that that happens. Like, if you're going to dinner with friends and it's like, you're in a hot debate about where to go, right? Like, we got to go to Slice House or we got to go to uh, Tomodachi Sushi or whatever the place is that you want to go. It's Chick-fil-A tonight, right? Like, that's, that's fun, but that's pretty low stakes because tomorrow you'll have already forgotten about it. If someone's like, where'd you eat yesterday? You'd be like, oh, did I eat? Right? Low stakes. But then there's bigger stakes, ramifications that this has in our life, how we choose to prioritize, right? Like, and the question that I want us to reflect on is how do we make 
bigger scale decisions about our priorities because it will direct determine our decisions and our directions. And really what I want us to talk about tonight is how do we prioritize character traits? Or like, how do we prioritize the kinds of people we want to be? Like the, the definitive qualities that we possess. Like how do we prioritize, like what is the value? Like what kind of man do I want to be? What kind of woman do I want to be? Right, like how do we prioritize that? And most importantly, for those of us following Jesus in the room, what does God say we should prioritize in our characters? Like what should I aim at? What should my value system be? Because it will dictate all of the rest of it. Like the, the kind of person that I'm trying to grow into, the thing that I'm aspiring to, whatever my priority is there will determine the decisions that I make in my life and the direction that I go in my life. And so it's actually of great importance for us to know what God has to say about this, of what we should prioritize as far as the kind of people that we want to be, as far as like what should be our governing code, our value system. And so simply put, what I want us to do is I want us to drill into one verse of scripture tonight in the Bible. It's found in the book of Micah. I'm going to throw it on the screen in a sec. It's one verse. We're going to spend the rest of our time, the next few minutes, just unpacking it, just really taking a hard look at it. And so here's what it says. In Micah chapter 6, in verse 8, it says this. It says, he has told you, oh man, what is good. In other words, God has told us what is good, right? Like God, if he is perfect, if he's perfection himself, if he's glory himself, if he's beauty himself, he's love himself, right? He's goodness himself. He's told us what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three things. Do justice, that we should be people, that what God requires of us, what, if he's going to tell us what it means, what it looks like to be good, to aspire to goodness, to aspire to holiness, there are really three things he's asking us to prioritize in our character, in our decision making, in our direction, in life. And it's this, it's to do, it's to love, and to walk in a certain way, right? It's to do justice, it's to love mercy. And it's, and it's to, to walk, walk humbly with God. And here's what I want to caution us with. Like you might hear that and be like, yeah, that's great. That's really good. Like justice, that's good, that's important. Like stand up for what's right, like oppose what's wrong, right? Like mercy, like yeah, I love mercy. I love it when it comes my way, right? And like humility, yeah, that's a great trait. But here's what I want to caution us about. Is sometimes we take, and really let's look at the first two. Let's look at do justice and love mercy. Sometimes we take the two and we take do justice and we take love mercy and we flip-flop them. And things get wonky when we do that. When we don't do justice and love mercy, when we love justice and do mercy instead, things start to go off track pretty quick. And here's what I mean by that. So let's talk about loving justice. Right, now justice is a really good thing, right? Like anybody thinking like, maybe I'll go into criminal justice. No, Batman did it, it's cool. Uh, but anyways, justice again is like there is right and wrong, 
There is fairness and unfairness in the world, right? And how do we defend what is good, what is right? How do we protect people who are being taken advantage of, who are underprivileged, who are being oppressed? Uh, like maybe in your life context, like how do we stand up for people that are being mistreated, bullied, just like that people are so mean to, or that people overlook, right? Like how do we stand up for what is right? Like how do we oppose things that are destructive or mean-hearted, right? Like justice is great. Justice is important. And again, God's word is going to tell us to do justice, right? But when we take the do justice part and we turn it into love justice, what we tend to do sometimes is we get rid of justice and over time, slowly, the word that we replace it with is revenge. Right, like when we have a heart that's like, I want to see the people who, uh, who are oppressed taken care of, but really what I want to see is the people who do wrong get punished. Like the thing that I love is when someone who I perceive as wrong, someone I perceive as a rule breaker, someone who sees things differently than me, when my greatest value becomes I delight when they get punished, I celebrate when it blows up in their face, something has gone off track. Right, because that is not us doing justice, that is us loving revenge. Right, and that is not something that we're invited to, uh, to become, to grow into. And on the other side of things, the scripture is going to ask us to love mercy, right? To love forgiveness, to love extending mercy um, to people who don't deserve it, to wrongdoers, to say, hey, when somebody has done wrong, uh, what we want to do is we want to celebrate when we're able to extend mercy to those people. If we lose the love mercy and it turns into just do mercy, and it's this thing that we do out of obligation where it's like, yeah, I forgive you, but only because Jesus said I had to and I don't really want to see you ever again. Again, so go along, right? Like, again, something's gone wrong in our hearts. Something's gone wrong in our life. We have to be careful not to love justice but not actually do it and not to do mercy but only out of obligation and not with a whole heart. And so I want to drill into when the scriptures talk about doing justice, what are we talking about when it says that? And so I'm going to throw up a couple of scriptures. The first is from the book of Isaiah. From the first chapter in verse 17, it says this. It says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's case. I want to draw your attention to that first part. Learn to do good. Now, it doesn't say just do good. It says that good is actually something that we have to learn to do. It's a skill that we have to acquire. It is an acquirable skill, but it is not our natural state to do good. Right? I think, like, we sit down and be like, are people good in their hearts? And it's like, perhaps people, like, try their best in their hearts. But, like, if you ever spent any amount of time with a little kid, you learn pretty quickly that their natural posture is towards selfishness. Right? Like, have you ever seen, like, a child throw a mega tantrum, just like a full-blown meltdown when they don't get something that they want that actually isn't even good for them to begin with? Right? Good is not, is not our natural state. Our natural bent is towards selfishness, is towards cutting corners, it's towards like, what can I get away with? And I'm, I'm, I'm part of we, right? Like, I'm a human as well. And I, I can acknowledge like that. There's definitely like dark little corners of my heart that are that, right? Like, I'm not good by nature. It's a skill that I have to acquire. acquire. It's something I have to learn how to do. And so the scriptures are going to tell us that we should set our minds on learning to do good, that we should be seeking justice. 
looking for to right the wrongs, looking to uphold what is good and virtuous and true, correcting oppression, right? Like when we see people who are being taken advantage of, when we see people that are being kept under someone else's boot, that we should do something about it, right? That we should correct it as we can and to bring justice to the people that are marginalized, right? In the ancient world, and in a lot of ways still today, it's going to point to over and over again, it's going to point to the fatherless and it's going to point to the widow, the people that societally cannot fend for themselves. There was somebody in a role that was supposed to protect them, supposed to defend them, and for whatever reason is removed from the situation, whether through abandonment or, or death, um, that they've been removed from the situation. And so people would swarm to them and take advantage of them. Right, you're going to see the scripture talk over and over again about the fatherless, about the widow, because those people were vulnerable. And peop- the selfish people like vultures would swing in and attack them and take advantage of them. And so it's going to say bring justice to those people. Like look out for those people who in any sort of a way cannot fend for themselves. Like it's our job to come to their aid. Moving forward in Proverbs chapter 14 in verse 31, it says this, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Right? Sometimes we think, like, if we cut corners or the way that we treat people is just, like, a little secret that's only between us and that person. And really, if we can, like, get, take advantage of someone without them ever knowing it, really it's, like, a little secret that only exists in our heart and no one ever needs to know. And we'll just take a little bit of benefit and move forward with it. But right here in Proverbs, it says, whoever oppresses a poor man, whoever takes advantage of someone, actually, that's a, that's a situation that's between you and your maker. And actually, it offends him. It's an insult to the maker to take advantage of one of his creations and think that you're entitled to it, right? But it says, he who is generous to the needy honors him, him being the father. And moving forward in Zechariah chapter 7 and verse 9, it says this, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, do not plot evil against each other. And this is where we have to get into really being brutally honest with ourselves. When we seek justice, are we really seeking revenge, right? Because justice and payback are not the same thing. As much as sometimes it feels that way, right? Like when somebody like gets what's coming to them and you feel that little like thrill of like, yes, payback, justice has been served, right? And that's a natural thing to feel. Right, like that's a natural thing to be like, this is right and good. Like they got what was coming to them. I'm going to teach you a word. It's a German word. Maybe some of you know it. I'm going to throw it on the screen right now. And we're going to say it together. The word is schadenfreude. Maybe I'll throw it on the screen. It's a great German word. Here's what schadenfreude means. I'll spell it for you if you can't see it. Schadenfreude. Everybody say it with me on three. One, two, three. Schadenfreude. Congrats, you all speak German. We should have schnitzels together sometime. But here's what schadenfreude means. Pleasure derived by someone, uh, what? From another person. Pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Like when you derive pleasure from someone else's misfortune, that's what we call schadenfreude. Right? And so that can look a lot of ways in our life, right? Like if there's, we'll, we'll start far out. If there's like a celebrity that you're just like, that person ain't it. 
I don't like that person. I don't like what they're about. I don't like their music, or I don't like the um, things that they write on Twitter, now X. I don't think we're ever going to stop calling it Twitter, right? No? Just me? Okay. Anyways, um, if there's like a celebrity, maybe it's a politician, and you're like, I vehemently oppose everything they stand for. And then something blows up in their face. They have a scandal release, right? Like that thrill, that pleasure that we take from their misfortune, from something going wrong for them, is called schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is not justice. It's not righting the wrongs. It's not standing up for the oppressed. It's literally just celebrating the wreckage of someone's life. And really, like, whether they brought it on themselves or not, that's not something we ever want to cultivate in our hearts. That's not a garden we want to grow in our hearts to celebrate the wreckage of someone's life. Because if we're honest, your life and my life could easily be in the wreckage as well. Right? We don't want to take pleasure from other people's misfortune. And really, the heart of God is not to form us into bitter, angry, and vengeful people. Right? Like when we cultivate that kind of like revenge, lust in our heart, uh, when we celebrate the wreckage of other people's lives, what that does, again, talking about priorities, the decisions that we make and the direction it takes us, leads us ultimately to become angry, bitter, and vengeful people. And I can tell you, from the angry, bitter, vengeful people I know, from the angry, bitter, vengeful people I've met, their lives are not enjoyable. They're not having a good time. It has not taken them anywhere good. And that's not something that God wants for you. That's not something we want for you. And I would venture to guess that's not something that you want for yourself. See, the heart of justice is focused on who and what we're standing for, not who and what we're standing against, right? Like for my athletes in the room, kind of offense, defense, sometimes we hear justice and we think, great, we're gonna launch an offensive and think about everybody that we disagree with, everybody we dislike the way that they're approaching something, everybody who's wronged us, and we're gonna take the offensive and we're gonna go after them and we're gonna make them pay, right? Like that is not justice, that is revenge. It's a defensive posture. It's who is being disadvantaged, who is being mistreated, how can I come to that person's aid, and yes, point out where somebody is doing wrong, and yes, hope that they come and have a change of heart and turn to the right, but we are not on a revenge quest. That's not what we do. As followers of Jesus, we come to the defense of people who are at a disadvantage. Here's just some suggestions of what that might look like in your life. Uh, on your campus, uh, in your place of work, just in your social group, that might look like standing up for someone who's being bullied. Someone that people just like go after. Sometimes people, I don't know why it's this way, but there are certain people who it's just like, people just kind of swarm to them to pick on them, right? Like some people are just easy marks and I don't know why. Uh, and maybe that's you and let me just pause and acknowledge, like maybe you laugh it off and maybe you have a good spirit about it, but it hurts. Right? And it's not fun to be the person that people go after, the, that people bully. Or maybe it's not like, haha, a joke in good nature, and people just treat you so poorly, and I'm so sorry that that's happened to you. Um, justice, coming to the defense of people, looks like standing up against bullying, standing up for someone who's being just treated meanly. Um, it looks like not staying silent when someone makes a joke that's racist or sexist, or homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't want to get in the conflict. I'm not going to say anything, right? But like standing for justice is to be able to stand up and say, hey, that was in poor taste. And let's not make those jokes, right? Standing for justice looks like not cheating or taking advantage of other people yourself, 
right? Not looking for benefit, not viewing people as like, what can I get from them rather than what do I want for them, right? To just view someone as a commodity, like are they valuable to me or not? Can I get something from them? And finally, don't accept being treated unfairly in a way that's beneficial to you. Sometimes we're treated unfairly and not in a bad way. We're treated unfairly where someone's giving us like special treatment that we don't deserve. Um, in a way that's like just duplicitous or illegal or against the rules, right? Where it's like, we'll just look the other way and pretend this didn't happen, but it's to my benefit. I'm gonna take this kind of unfairness as the kind that I want. But standing up for justice is to not accept that. To say, hey, you, know, you do you, but that's not for me, right? That's what it looks like to stand up for justice. Moving on to loving mercy. In the book of Matthew in chapter five, it tells us this, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. So in other words, God has a special blessing for people who are merciful, right? Like if you show mercy, God's got a blessing for you. And so mercy is like, I'm not gonna give you what you rightfully deserve perhaps for your poor behavior, for the decisions that you've made, right? Like mercy is, I'm, I'm not gonna punish you for this thing. I'm not gonna hold it over your head. I'm not gonna use the past to weaponize it against you in the present or the future. Mercy is, you know what, I'm gonna forgive it. I'm gonna let it go. But it says that like, there's like the classic, like when you forgive, like you let yourself out of the prison, right? Is like the metaphor. It's actually very true. Right, like unforgiveness that you carry around is, is a burden that weighs your life down and you're punishing yourself more than anybody. But Matthew 5 is gonna say that beyond that just being the reason to be a forgiving person, beyond that just being the reason to be merciful is that God actually has blessing for you on top. If you're a merciful person, if you're a forgiving person and it says also that God will show you mercy. In Matthew chapter nine in verse 12, it says this, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Right there, Jesus kind of changes the paradigm, right? Like what he's saying is, uh, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And so if you're going around hating people that you think their life is messy, you've gotten it so wrong what Jesus is all about, right? Like Jesus isn't after the people who like present as perfect. The people who seem like they've got it all together, the people who won't admit that they have any fault. He's not interested in those people who maybe have like built a perfect facade. It all looks great on socials, like they're tracking well, everybody likes everything that they ever do. He's not after those people. He's after the people who can acknowledge like, I've got some mess in my life. I've got some brokenness in my life. I've got some times and some areas and some places where I don't know what's going on in my life. And he says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, right? Like sometimes we get into this headspace where we think, and maybe you've been taught this somehow, somewhere, even if you are a follower of Jesus, where we think what God wants most from us is to be as perfect as possible. And if we can aspire to that, maybe we'll earn his love and we'll be okay and we'll be in eternity with him and he won't send us to hell. That's the story that we have in our head. That what, what do I have to sacrifice? What do I have to fix about myself? What do I have to change about myself? And now the reality is, is when you're in a relationship with Jesus, when you're in a relationship with perfection himself, right? Like he's gonna empower you to make some changes in your life. 
right? Like the trajectory of your life will move you away from destructive behavior towards good things, right? Like that's just a reality, but that's not something that you have to do for him to earn his love. It never was, it never will be. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He doesn't need them, right? What he wants is for us to show mercy to people, for us to be forgiving, for us to be patient, for us to be compassionate with people. And so what does mercy look like? in our life, because mercy also is not the same thing as pretending that nothing wrong ever happened, right? Like forgiveness is not like I'm gonna look the other way and never acknowledge that something hurt me or never acknowledge that someone wronged me and I'll just kind of like go away quietly and decide that I've forgiven and move forward and that person will never know that they wronged me in any way. We'll just kind of like, maybe I'll talk about it in my small group and be like, I forgave that person, but you've never had any sort of an interaction with that person. Like mercy, forgiveness is not the same thing as pretending that nothing is wrong. Right, like we do not avoid, we address, right? And so if there's something that someone has done that needs forgiveness, the move isn't I'm going to pretend it never happened, never, never talk to them, never point it out, never address the situation, and I'm just gonna quietly resolve that I'm gonna amputate this part of my feelings, I'm gonna amputate the hurt, and just like let go of that and move forward and we'll never acknowledge it, right? That is not forgiveness. Forgiveness comes with addressing it, Patiently, perhaps, lovingly, perhaps, but to address it, to be able to say, hey, this choice that you made, this behavior you had, this thing that you said, it affected me in this way. I'm not trying to hold that over you. I'm not trying to punish you. Like, I want to give mercy. I want to reconcile. But you need to know that this is how I experienced that. Like, we do not avoid. We address. But here's the thing. Jesus gave mercy when I deserved judgment. Right, like that's true of my life, and if you're in a relationship with Jesus, that's true of your life as well. Jesus gave me mercy when what I deserved, what I had coming to me, was judgment. When Jesus could have easily practiced schadenfreude, right, and celebrated the wreckage of my life. Right, like I wronged him, I messed it up, I made a mess out of my life, and he could have just stood at the distance and celebrated and said, I told you so, you had it coming, I warned you. Right? You could have chosen differently, but you made a mess of your life. He could have done that. I deserve judgment, but he showed me mercy. Right? Like he approached me gently and humbly. He paid the price for all of my mistakes. He nursed me back to health. Like he brought me in. Like Jesus gave me mercy when I deserved judgment. So what is the ramification of that? That means that I can give mercy when other people deserve my judgment. When somebody has wronged me, when somebody knew better in my mind, when somebody, when I warned somebody, even if it's not something that they did to me, when I warned somebody, don't do that, that's stupid, that'll mess up your life, that'll blow up in your face, and then it happens, I get to give that person mercy rather than judgment. I don't have to stand in a judgmental posture and say, I told you so, you made your mess, clean it up, you made your bed, sleep in it, right? I get to give mercy when other people deserve judgment. And maybe the most sobering thing that we'll read tonight is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, for I for, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. That's heavy. But that's in God's word. We need to be people who love mercy. 
because that's how we receive mercy. Jesus says, if you refuse to forgive other people, if you just want to stand in judgment, if you want to celebrate the wreckage of other people's lives, if you want to have like a, I told you so, haha, gotcha, posture, you can choose that. But the scripture in Matthew says, if you do not forgive other people their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy. So we do justice, but we love mercy. And the third point is this, it says walk humbly. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. It's this picture of like humility, like taking a humble posture is actually something that you can put on, that you can envelop yourself with. It says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because, and then it tells us a truth about God. It says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It says this, God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. Right? We, we're told this quality about God that we see all through scripture. He puts it, it's, it says it, it's like the claim. It's the claimed value, it's the practice value. Right? Like God is consistently that. He is in opposition to pride and he shows favor to the humble. Are you guys uh, familiar with like uh, mercy and grace? Anybody like spent a lot of time around church, maybe read the Bible? Sometimes we get like, what's the difference between mercy and grace? Like we kind of conflate the two sometimes. Like what's the difference between mercy and grace? So uh, let me spell it out for you the best way that I know how. So uh, I'm gonna pick on Connor, Connor Swanson. Connor, let's say that you intentionally burn my house to the ground. You're an arsonist, my bad, thanks. <laughs> I really liked that house, man. I liked living there, had all of my possessions in it. You are an arsonist now, and you burned my house to the ground. Mercy is this. Connor burned my house to the ground. I am going to make the choice to not press charges, to uh, forgive whatever he owes me financially, right? Like I'm not gonna go after him insurance-wise. I'm not gonna get, take him to court. I'm not gonna send him to jail, right? Like I'm gonna forgive the whole thing. It's my problem now. I'll pay for the new house. I'll pay for the repairs, all that. That's mercy. Right? Mercy is I'm not going to give you what you do deserve, right? The penalty of your actions. Grace is different than that. Grace is I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. So same scenario, Connor burns my house to the ground. I decide to extend him mercy first. I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna hold him accountable for any of that. I'm not gonna take him to court. I'm not gonna press charges. I'm not gonna charge him for it. I have forgiven it, right? I'm not gonna bring it back 10 years later and be like, it changed my mind, you owe me, right? Like I have forgiven it, that's mercy. Grace is I've done all of that and now I'm like, Connor, uh, I bought you a car. It's a Maserati. I'm also gonna pay your college tuition. I'm also um, gonna give you a Target gift card. Um, and once a month, I'm gonna fill it up with $8,000. You can spend it on whatever you need. I'll do the same for Costco, right? Like favor, grace is I'm gonna give you what you don't deserve from me. I'm gonna give you goodies on top of it, like sprinkles and fudge on top of the Sunday. Like you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it. In fact, you deserve the opposite. I've given you mercy, but I'm gonna give you favor on top of it. That's what grace is. That's what favor is. And when it says God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble, 
Humility is an important trait for us to move towards, to embody. And when, it com- when we talk about opposing the proud and giving grace to the humble, giving favor to the humble, um, I-, I would argue this is something that happens in your heart naturally as well. Have you ever known a person um, who just would never admit that they were wrong? Right? They're just prideful. They're arrogant. They will never let up. They could be caught in an outright lie. They could be just like categorically mistaken. They could have done something wrong, hand in the cookie jar, and they will just, they are prideful. They will never admit defeat. They will never back down. It was always a special circumstance. It was always someone else's fault. It's not their problem. It was actually your fault, right? Like they just like will never admit defeat. They're just prideful in that way. What does your heart do towards those people? Ugh. Right, like Like, we we don't don't like like that quality in people. People People who are arrogant, people who are proud, people who will never humble themselves, people who will never admit defeat. It's always someone else's problem. It's always someone else's fault. Our hearts naturally are like gross, right? Like you might get away with it now, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. Gross, right? It's a trait that we naturally are like, what? Right, like, don't, don't want, want it, it. Right? right? And it, it says God opposes the proud. And so, so not, not only is it like he's not giving special favors to them, but, but it says he is in opposition. God, the God of the universe will literally stand in the way of a proud person's plans and thwart them. It says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor, unmerited grace, like things we don't deserve, special treatment, doors of opportunity, shows favor to the humble. And so it says, so humble yourselves. So let's break this down. What kind of person does God oppose? God opposes someone who acts entitled. Someone who thinks the world owes everything to them, who thinks they need the special treatment. Any good thing must obviously be theirs. They're entitled to it, right? Like the get out of my way sort of people. Someone who can't take criticism or advice. It says God opposes that person. That's pride. God opposes it. Someone who can never hear like, hey, actually, like, I'm coming alongside you because I care. I'm trying to point out something that, like, maybe you have a blind spot to. Maybe you should know about it. And it's just like, "Uh uh-uh, don't want it. Can't take criticism or even advice. That's pride. It says God opposes those people. Um, Someone who thinks that they're better or more important than other people. That's pride. And God opposes those people. Someone who won't admit when they were wrong. Pride. God opposes those people. Someone who acts like they are the after photo. And here's what I mean by that. Like, have you ever seen, like, transformation photos, right? It's like you've got your before and your after. And here's the reality. We are all works in progress, but some of us try desperately to pre- present like we're the after photo. Like the work is finished. Like there's no flaw left in us. Like we're perfect. Like we don't have anything we need to grow in. Like there's nothing that we're still working on. Like, we, like we've got it figured out. We've got it made. We're the after photo. That's pride, to not be able to admit like, hey, there, I've, made, I've come a long way, I've grown a lot, but there's a lot that I'm still working on. If you can't admit that, if all that you show is perfection, that's pride. And it says that God opposes those people. But what kind of person does God favor? Someone who admits when they're wrong. Like when you're able to, let's do the opposite. Someone who will never admit that they're wrong, someone who's always prideful, you have like a natural like gag reflex in your spirit towards those people. It's like, bleh, I don't like that. But someone who sincerely comes to you and is like, I messed up and I'm really sorry and I really regret the decision and I want to make it right. What can I do? How can I move forward? We have a natural bent in our hearts to be like, of course, 
Like, how can I help you? How can I come alongside you? How can I be compassionate towards you? Like when someone genuinely humbles themselves. So someone who admits when they're wrong, that's humility and God gives them favor. Someone who knows that they're not better than anyone, that's humility. God gives them favor. Someone who can ask for help. Like when you need help. This is an everyone problem, but like especially right now, guys in the room, let's have a conversation about this. There's a big part of us that wants to be like, I'm a lone wolf. I'm a rugged individual. I don't need nobody, right? And we won't allow ourselves to ask for help when we actually need help. Now you have to ask for help from the right people, right? Like if you're just going around asking for help from anybody, yes, that could blow up in your face. But when you need help, ask for help. That's how you get help, right? Like when you can humble yourself, that's how you receive grace. That's how you receive favor. Someone who can ask for help is someone who's humble and they'll receive it. Someone who knows that they're a work in progress but is committed to growing. And finally, someone who knows that they don't know better than God. I want to talk about that for a second. I'm gonna, if you're in the band, you can come up, you can start um, setting up. That's ultimately what sin is. Like, right, when we have a conversation about sin, what sin is, is when God has laid out something for us, and it's like, hey, do these things because it will bless your life. Or, hey, don't do these things because it will bring grief to your life. Right, like the things that God calls sin, the things that God says no to, the things in the Bible that it's like, don't do this. Like, stop, turn back. Right, like isn't because God's just a killjoy that doesn't want you to have any fun. The things that the Bible calls sin are the things that hurt us or hurt the people around us. They're the things that in the long term are destructive towards our lives. But the scriptures say that we all have turned from God's ways, that we all have committed sin, that we've all said thanks, but no thanks, I know better what will make my life good, what will make my life whole, what will bring me satisfaction or joy. And so I hear you, I just don't accept what you have to say, God, and I'm going to go my own way. Right? Like that's what sin is and that's what happens in all of our hearts. And humility is the, the ability to say that I know that I don't know better than God. Right? Like God is the most powerful, intelligent, almighty, glorious being that there is. And I've been around for like 30 plus years. You've been around for like 15, 16, 17 years. Like to be able to acknowledge like there are things that I don't comprehend about the way this all works because I'm a beginner and God knows better than me. And so I should listen to him. I can humble myself and acknowledge that I know that I don't know better than God. And so we want to be people who set our hearts, who set our minds on doing justice, on loving mercy, and on walking humbly. But here's the reality here. I just want to pause and look at this fact that sometimes, like what does it look like for me to walk out doing justice? Right, like to step into a situation where I'm standing up against someone who's oppressing, to stand up against someone who's bullying, all of that, like there are unknowns in that. Right, like I could have a moment where I step in and I'm trying to be heroic and stand for justice and we could have that moment where the person's like, you're right. I feel so convicted, I'm gonna change my ways, right? Like that's awesome. But we could also have the situation where we stand in and stand up and you get punched in the face and laughed at, right? Like there, there's a risk factor involved in doing that, right? Like mercy is costly, forgiveness is costly. If you've ever had somebody wrong you in a way that just like ravaged your life, that's a hard thing to let go of. 
That's a hard thing to say. I, I am justified in wanting punishment for that person, but I'm going to let that go. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm not going to bring it up again and again and again. I'm not going to seek their destruction. I'm going to let it go. It's costly. For Jesus to give us mercy, he had to spill his blood and be nailed to a cross and die. It's costly to forgive. And so if you are in a position where you're struggling to forgive, we get it. Right? Like, if there's not blood in the sand, it's probably not forgiveness. It's costly. Humbling yourself is risky. Because we get in this mindset where it's like, I got to look out for me. Like, I'm doing my PR and I've got to present like I'm everything to everybody so that I'll be accepted, so that I'll be safe in society, so that the doors of opportunity will open to me. It feels scary. And sometimes we tell ourselves, I'm not going to go into this thing. I'm not going to do justice. I'm not going to live a life where I love mercy. I'm not going to do the walk humbly thing. I'm not going to go into that until I know the outcome that it's going to get me. Right, like sometimes we tell ourselves, I'm not gonna go until I know. Right, like I need to figure out what the result of this behavior is gonna be. I need to count the cost. I need to know exactly how it's gonna play out. I need to know before I go. And what we do is we resolve to do that, but you'll never know. And so you sit down and you just stall out in your life and you don't step forward into justice and you don't step forward into mercy and you don't step forward into humility because you don't know how to predict it. But the reality, my friends, is you will never know until you go. You have to be brave and step into it. You have to say, do you know what? I'm going to step into doing justice even if I don't know what the outcome is going to be. The only way you'll ever know is by going into it. I'm going to love mercy and I'm going to work and do the costly act of forgiving wrongs that people have done against me because I will never know what's on the other side of it until I go into it. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to stop trying to present like I need to be everything to everyone. I'm going to humble myself and let God lift me up if it's, his, if it's in his good plan to do it because you will never know until you go. And so my friends, I want to encourage you to go, to step into it to put it into practice. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to close out this time in worship. If you have a concern on your heart or something you want us to partner in prayer with you about, the prayer wall is open. If you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. If you need to ask for some help, ask for some help. But let's turn to God, and let's be people who set our minds, set our priorities on doing justice, on loving mercy, and on walking humbly, because that will take us to the best places in our lives that we could ever imagine. Pray with me. Jesus. Thank you that you've laid out clearly for us what you desire for us and from us. And so, God, we pray that you would make us brave, that you would give us grit, that you would give us courage and endurance um, to jump in on the things that you ask of us, trusting that you know better. God, that we would have the humility to acknowledge that we know that we don't know better than you. And so if you tell us that something's important for our lives, we will put it into practice and find out why you said it along the way. And so, God, would you help us to be people who do justice, um, not love revenge? God, would you, be, would you help us to be people who love mercy, not just do it out of obligation? And, God, would you help us to be people who walk humbly with you? God, that we don't have to pretend for you, that we don't have to posture and present for you, that you already know and you already love and you already accept so we can just show up with whatever we got 
even if it doesn't feel like a lot. And that you'll receive us, but not just that, that you'll pour blessing and favor and grace on top of it. And so God, as we come to you, would we experience that? We know that you love it when we hold you to your word about yourself. And so God, you say we humble ourselves and you give us grace. And so God, for the young men and the young women in the room who are in the active daily practice of humbling themselves, would you show them what your grace looks like? Would you show them what your favor looks like? And so God, we turn our attention to you in worship. We give you our song. We give you our hearts. We give you our praise. And we pray all in the magnificent name of Jesus Christ. So it's in that name that we pray. Amen. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at Calvary ESM 805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.